Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Well, how kind. Thank God. Thank God to be here. I thank the Lord and Pastor Doug. This is our seventh year on this particular Sunday, which is really cool. It always falls between Christmas and New Year's in different ways. So I preached the first service of 2016 right here and the last, the Alpha and Omega. I'm not saying I'm Jesus. I'm just saying. (laughs) Do y'all know where you were 21 years ago? I know exactly where I was 21 years ago. I was on this campus flipping pancakes downstairs on Christmas Eve 21 years ago because that little girl on the front row was born. It's my daughter's birthday. Happy birthday, Madeline. God bless you. And uh, my son Kenan's here and my family's here somewhere. God bless all of them. They, they said they're taking an offering for JPN, which they do almost every year, and, and that really launched us into 2016. I'm going to give you a quick report. For 20, or 20, what year is this? 2017. <laughs> you get to be my age, stuff starts running together. You, know, you watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, and you can't keep it all straight. 2017, uh, in 139 nights away from Concord, we preached uh, to lots and lots of people, gave altar calls in almost every place we went, and 903 people, plus the few this morning in the early service in this calendar year, have given their hearts to Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Well, we thank God for that. This is our home church. It's our covering church. We're thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, they support us like a missionary, generously, and, uh, and we're very grateful for this uh, offering once a year, it really launches us. This coming year, 2018, we're wanting to go back to Hungary to speak at an international school for their spiritual emphasis all week in Slovakia. And we want to um, go to Asia too for a very special project. So this will help us tremendously. Speaking of helping, I hope that our products on the back table help you. I know many of you have purchased them over the years. If you've already purchased them and read them, buy one for your neighbor. Give them a late Christmas gift or an early Christmas gift. A book on the family, fundamentals in family life. A guy in Paris Island, South Carolina, stopped me about three weeks ago. And by the way, because of the Ebenezer deal that we had for five years. We've taken that on the road. 19 shows last year, 13 shows this year. 255, 255 people gave their hearts to Jesus. Prayed with that old Ebenezer Scrooge. At 828, just last week in Cabarrus County over in Kannapolis. But this book on the family, a guy in South Carolina said it was very, very helpful to him and I was glad to hear it. A book on change and transformation. If you're wanting to go into the new year and change some things in your life, it's a helpful tool. And then uh, the last service I preached, I preached with a guy named Lee McBride. We made a comedy tape together. It's called Road Dogs. We rented a van, hired a driver, drove up to the Virginia line and told stories. I'm surprised lawyers haven't contacted us about some of these things. There's no spiritual value in it except for laughing. So, All right, enough of the commercial. I have a message for you. And uh, again, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to give one story and then a verse in Luke, but then we'll camp out in Matthew chapter 20. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the souls that 
felt a stirring of the Holy Spirit that they wanted to give their hearts to you. They wanted to receive the gift of Jesus in the first service. I thank you for Pastor Doug and Camden and the great ministerial staff that's here. It's amazing, Lord. I, I appreciate so much what you're doing in this church through this leadership and, and all the ministries represented. Today, I'm asking you, Lord, to touch me, the evangelist, on this stage and prophesy and, and speak forth what you want to say. There's somebody here that needs some encouragement, Lord. I pray that they'll hear exactly what they're supposed to hear. And I pray you'd help me. And if anybody does not know you, if anybody's name is not in that book, if anyone has not received you as their Savior and been forgiven, don't let them go out of these doors without making that happen. Holy Spirit, do your work in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And everybody sit. Anybody ever been to Atlanta, Georgia, to a restaurant in Atlanta called the Varsity Restaurant? Raise your hand if you've ever seen them. Oh, there's some hungry folks in here. They got some greasy food at the Varsity Restaurant. Let me give you a little quick 30-second thumbnail history about the Varsity Restaurant. Frank uh, Boyd or Boyle started it in 1928. On the first day that he started it at 55 North Avenue in Atlanta, Georgia, 300 people came to the restaurant. 300 on the very first day between the trolley stops in 1928. In 1939, Clark Gable visited the Varsity Restaurant as they premiered Gone with the Wind in Atlanta, Georgia. 1944, Nipsey Russell, the famous comedian, was a, was a car hop in that restaurant. They boast the largest drive-in restaurant in America. Presidents have gone. They seat 650 people in this restaurant in various rooms all over town. Uh, yeah, it's like spread out all over the block, so to speak. President Bush, George H.W. Bush, President Clinton, President Obama have all eaten in this restaurant. It's a famous, iconic place. And when you walk into this vast restaurant, you see a, a whole row of cash registers way on down the line. And what they say is, what'll you have? W-H-A-T apostrophe L-L, you have. But I always hear it, and that's why I titled this message, What Do You Have? Because when I walk in, there's a line that says, what do you have, 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 and you, and you need to know what you want. I mean, it's serious. It's a serious thing. They make a lot of money at the Varsity Restaurant. Filmed We Are Marshall there. In 1948, they put television in, in rooms. <laughs> you can thank uh, all these Applebee's TVs for the Varsity. Back in 1948, the guy had a vision or maybe no, no good vision. This story in Matthew chapter 20 is about two men who have to answer a very, very similar question. But before we read that text, let's look at one verse in Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Luke, 1, or verse, uh, Luke 11, verse 10 says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. We read it fast. Sometimes we yawn through it. And if we really believe the words, there would be a lot more asking there'll be a lot more seeking, and there'll be a lot more knocking. You couldn't keep people out of the prayer room if we really believe that. But we treat it like spam sometimes. You ever get an email that says, hello, I'm calling from, I'm emailing from Nairobi. You have won $300,000. All we need is your credit card information and your mother's maiden name, and we'll release the funds. <laughs> Delete. Except every now and then some gullible person says, well, I'll give you those two things, but no more information. Delete. 
delete, spam. If we delete that verse, it may be because, now we're late, we're not lazy. Maybe we have asked and not received in our lives. Maybe we have sought and not found. Maybe we have knocked and the door was not open to us. This story is about a couple of dudes who really, really believed in the principle of asking and seeking and knocking. Matthew chapter 20. We'll pick it up at verse number 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, and two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us! And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us! Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered. We want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Two blind men, I've been told that blind people have extra awareness of the other senses. And there's a man named Eric Wanamanahire. I can't really pronounce his last name. I read it in a book called The Seven Decisions by Andy Andrews. Eric W., I'll call him, was born with an eye defect that made him blind by the age of 13. And he was very depressed and discouraged, and then he found mountain climbing. And the way Andy describes it in Time Magazine and describes it is, when he put his fingers on the rocks, he could feel, he could almost see like through with his fingers, there was a heightened awareness of the wind off the cliff as he would climb the mountain and smell things and hear things. There were a couple of blind guys, and they just, they're just sitting by the side of the road, you know. They're just sitting by the side. I don't know if they knew that Jesus was coming. If they just were sitting where they were put. But they hear some things because the their, their senses are heightened. Eric W. is the first blind person to ever climb Mount Everest, 29,000 feet. 10% of people who try die. How about that for a statistic in a parking lot? God bless you. Have a good day. 10% of you will see you in heaven. That's tough. 30 below zero, 100 mile an hour winds. These people had heightened awareness, I think. It's my mind that goes like this. They're just talking. They sense the commotion. They sense the commotion. Teacher, they say teacher, prophet, as he's talking about prophet, Jesus. They said Jesus, the healer, the healer. They said the healer. And just as the, the commotion appears to come right in front of them, they stand at their feet, Jesus, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the people say, shut your mouth. Be quiet. It's Jesus. You don't mess with you kind of people. I'm sorry. You're right. You should have shut up. We'll just be sitting over here. Wait a minute. Hey, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. I like his style. <laughs> Jesus stops in his tracks, turns right to him, and says, What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? I sensed the Lord this calendar year when I was walking through the woods playing disc golf, probably with my son Kenan. Or I, I just sensed the prompting of the Lord to ask. I felt like he said, ask my people what they want. 
And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to ask you what you want. Years ago, I was in another state speaking at a baccalaureate service, a graduation service. And the minister who was introducing, the staff pastor introducing the graduates, had a pronounced speech impediment. So it took him about 20 minutes to acknowledge about 8 to 10, maybe 5, 5. It was very few graduates. It took him about 20 minutes. Because he would get to their name. This is ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. I'm not making fun. I'm just telling you, this took a long time. And I remember thinking good thoughts about the pastor, that he had, that he had placed this man on the staff, and that was courageous. Afterwards, we went to lunch. I think it was a catfish place. Mm. And the pastor was right here, and his wife was right there, and then there was this, this staff pastor was right here. And he asked me during lunch, the staff minister says, uh, he asked if I remembered a young man that I'd prayed for to be healed. And I said, I prayed for a lot of them. I don't always remember my own kids' names, so I can't really. You're going to have to give me some more information. He says, uh, well, this, about three facts into it, I said, was he a short guy, kind of stocky, wearing a yellow T-shirt? And he walked up to the platform in front of a 1,000 people, said seven things into the microphone that he had never said before. He said, that's right, that was me. Now I am really intrigued. And I said to him right there, I said, can we go to breakfast tomorrow and talk about youth ministry? And I do a little napkin talk about youth pastoring. He said, sure. So he's telling me at breakfast about the way God had used this particular uh, struggle in his life to minister to kids. And this, this question just hit me. It just hit me. I said to the young man, I said, now, what if this place froze completely? The lady pouring coffee freezes like that. The trucker over there in the corner with the sugar, he's freezing right there. The lady with the plates on her hand, she's frozen. I'm frozen. Everything is frozen except for you. And Jesus of Nazareth walks right through the wall, comes right up to your table, smiles a brilliant smile, looks at you with beautiful piercing eyes of compassion, calls you by name and you've never heard a voice as wonderful as his, calls you by name and says, I'll give you what you want. If you want me to take this off of you, I'll do it forevermore. Or if you want me to continue to glorify my name in your weakness, I will bring glory to my name and use this for the rest of your life. I said to the guy that this is not an immoral question. It's an amoral question. It has no morality. I'm just curious. And if I'm not getting too personal, what would you say to Jesus? And he got really quiet for an awkward amount of time. And then he got emotional and he said an honest answer. I don't know what I'd tell him. That's an honest answer. So now I'm asking you this question before we preach this message, the rest of it. If everything in this room froze, the guy checking the ESPN score fr freezes in place right now. His wife giving him a skunk eye, she freezes in place just like that. Grandma's looking for some juicy fruit. She freezes just like that. The preacher freezes in the middle of a point. Only one not frozen is you. And Jesus of Nazareth walks through the wall and right up to you, the edge of his robe touches your seat with brilliant smile and piercing eyes. He says your name and it's as beautiful as anything you ever heard come out of any place. And, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Would you have an answer in 2018? These boys had an answer. And I'd like, to, I'd like to undergird four truths before we give you an opportunity maybe to know the Lord for the very first time or to pray for whatever it is that you need prayer for in 2018. 
If Jesus asks you, what, what do you want? You need to know what you want. That's the first thing I want to say. You need to know. This is not a profound sermon, by the way. This is a refresher course here. You need to know what you want. If hell had a way to get drive food, it would be at a drive through window. I'm convinced of that. I hate that drive through I'm sorry if you work there. That offends you. I don't like going through the drive through And when, when I take my kids in a minivan, I pull up that drive through and I say, look here. I'm about to talk into this box right here, and I got your order in my hand. If any one of you says, no, Daddy, I think I want no mustard, I promise you what, I'm going to drive off, and you're going to starve to death. I, I don't want any of that. Any, I want them to know what they want. These men knew what they wanted. They knew exactly what they wanted. A generation that does not know what they want, you know what they do? They take four of their friends up on an overpass and throw rocks at cars below, and they throw sandbags because they have no compelling reason to get out of bed. God wants us to want something. What do you want? Do you know what you want? I told my kids, I just want you to want something. I just want you to want something. I can't put the want in you like God does for us. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desire of your heart. He'll put one in there. I can't do that for you. You got to talk to mom and me. You want a ballet? Well, ballet, fine. Soccer, basketball, whatever it is. Baseball. You want to be a horse jockey? You're six foot two and 250 pounds. We'll see about it. We'll try to make it happen. <laughs> I want you to want something. Here's a scripture from Mark chapter 10 about Bartimaeus. He wanted something. What do you want me to do for you? What do you have? What do you have? Jesus asked him, and the blind man Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, I want to see. You go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. I want to see. You need to know what you want. Coming back from Hungary with our great missionary, Chris and Lene Oakley, they're doing a marvelous job. I got invited to speak at a Holy Spirit conference in uh, Budapest. They call it Budapest. And it was wonderful. And on the flight back, I was going through Germany. And I don't know if Martin Luther subliminally inspired me. He had 95 theses. I wrote down 94 theses. I call it my 5373 plan, 7,300 days. If God doesn't send Jesus to get us in the rapture and if he lets me live for the next 20 years, this is what I want to see happen in my life, spiritually, regarding my family, professionally, intellectually, financially, etc. 94 things. My wife hadn't read it, nor has my prayer team coordinator read it. Nobody's read it. Just a printer, and I made them swear off and on an oath. This is private. So if Jesus walked through the wall and said, Joe, what do you want me to do? For you? Well, start with this. Let's start with that. I got this. How about this right here? And we're just going to get started with that. You need to know what you want. And number two, this is a little bit curious of the point. You need to be sure that you want it. You need to be sure that you want it. Here's another scripture from Mark chapter 10, a different verse. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. The answer to those boys was no the first time and no the 200th time. One guy comes along and says, I'll follow you, but Lord, let me bury my dad. Jesus said, go let the dead bury the dead. Follow me. Go, Jesus, unless it's your dad. It's no the first time and no the thousandth time. You need to be sure that you want it. How many of you are glad that God, with an upraised hand, I'm not asking a rhetorical question, I want a response. You are personally glad 
for a prayer that you prayed that God did not answer. If you could just raise your hand, look at that. See, that's called grace and mercy. I wasn't even a Christian when I was asking a girl to go to the prom with me, but I almost, I think I might have even said a prayer, not even a Christian. Lord, let her go to the prom with me. I asked her, she said no. In Spanish, no. In German, net. In sign language, no. She told me no. It broke my heart. I saw her at a 10-year class reunion over by the pigs in a blanket and the beanie weenies, and I made conversation with her. <laughs> After a few uh, moments of conversation, I went over to a wall, put my fingertips on it straight away, and said, God, thank you for my wife. She's better than I deserve. She's so awesome. We, we, we took a van 5,300 miles on the Ebenezer tour. That's like driving from my driveway to Los Angeles back into Little Rock. I saw something on, on, uh, on the interwebs, on the Internet, and, and I, I called my prayer team coordinator, Jewel Massey, who's in this service starting her eighth year in that critical ministry. And I said to her, I want you to pray, but don't pray for this thing. I want you to get a couple of lieutenants to pray and ask God if we should pray for this thing. And don't ask her what it is. She won't tell you unless the Holy Spirit gives us a green light. There are certain things you just want to know. God, do I even need to pray for this? Like this. I'm trying to illustrate something. I'm having a hard time. I could, st I could kneel right here and say, God, I'm not leaving. I'll, I'll stay here. They'll vacuum around me. I'll put a pillow down here. I'm not leaving till you answer this prayer. I want to be the starting point guard for the Golden State Warriors, Lord. And I don't want it to be a gimmick one game attendance thing. I want to be, I want to replace Steph Curry. And I want to start. And I want to dunk, too. I can only dunk a donut right now. But I'm asking to dunk, Lord, I want to dunk. <laughs> now, didn't the Lord say, all things are possible to him who believes? Doesn't the Lord say, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me? So the question really isn't, could God do this? The question is, why would he want to? He's already got a witness in Steph Curry. Now, flip the coin and go to the other side. And I can pray for something as challenging as that to take just as many miracles. I wrote a, a production this summer about the House of Grace, Dr. Mark Rutland's girls' home in Chiang Rai, Thailand. I believe God's in it. And I can get down on my knees and I can say, God, I want you to give us the logistics and the resources. There's so much that I can't do to put this thing on stages around the world. But Lord, I want there to be Thousands of people that come into the kingdom of God and thousands upon thousands of dollars raised for sex trafficking ministries and for missionaries. Lord, I pray that I pray that you'll help this. Now, you see, this is as tough a prayer as that, but it's got a different flavor, doesn't it? Be sure you should want it. In 2018, you got goals and resolutions and all of those things. Be sure that you ought to want that. Third thing I want to tell you is this. Be ready, be ready to tell him what you want. These boys were ready. <laughs> They're just sitting there, sitting there. I don't know if I'm messing up the camera or the live stream. I, I apologize in advance. Teacher, prophet, Jesus, healer, son of David, have mercy on us. What do you want me to do for you? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, 
you got anything, Judah? And I was always wanting a puppy. Just carry around with me. And, uh, and he said he wanted a grilled cheese sandwich yesterday, so. No, 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 no. These boys weren't like that. Before Jesus could put a dot at the bottom of that question mark, they interrupted him. What would you like me to do? We want our sight. They were ready. The opportunity of a lifetime confined within the lifetime of an opportunity. Are you ready to tell the Holy Spirit what you're asking for? I'm not talking about Mercedes and planes and all that unless you need it. I'm asking you, are you ready to tell him things like, I want all my grandkids to know you as Savior. I don't want any of them to be on drugs anymore. I want the atmosphere in my home not to be full of chaos, but to be filled with peace and joy and order. Are you ready to tell him what you want? The Varsity restaurant one time, I saw this happen. A guy in front of us, it's a long line at every register. And the guy I think was a, a Yankee, and if you're one and that offends you, send me an email, dougwitherup.com, make it ugly. <laughs> I, I was born and raised one too, so don't get too offended. Lady says, what do you have, what do you have, what do you have, what do you have? The guy says, ah, you know, I've never been here, so I don't know what's good. Tell me what's good. And the woman said, and I quote, shut your mouth, get to the back of the line. <laughs> and the food is so good, the dude did it. <laughs> Next guy up was my oldest son, Joseph, who was 13 at the time. What do you have, what do you have, what do you have, son? I want a naked dog, slaw dog, I want an onion ring, I want a varsity orange, and I want a Coca-Cola. She said, and I quote, look at that, Boston, that's how you do it right there. <laughs> Be ready to tell him what you want if he asks you. And then, uh, so I don't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna fail the test the ASK test in heaven. The Bible says in James, we have a slide for this, James, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. I don't want to get to heaven and say, Jesus, you know, this is wonderful. been here a million years. It's beautiful. I love talking to you. I was curious about something. When I was on the earth a million years ago, this is water off a duck's back. It doesn't matter, but I'm curious. I asked for, I, I was going through this difficult time and I, I had these difficult problems, such and so and this and that. And I was wondering why you didn't help me with those problems. I'm not going to be guilty of Jesus turning to me and saying, because you never asked me. Do you think the omniscient God of this blue planet walked by two blind guys and didn't know what they wanted? Even seeing people, seeing blind people, know what the, what the need is oftentimes. No, he knew, but he wanted them to articulate it. Do you know why? Neither. If you figure it out, send me an email. I'm not sure. It's called prayer. He wants us to be ready to articulate it too. I go in churches where some people have that mentality. Good Lord knows where I'm at. If he wants to, if he wants to bless me, he knows my address. <laughs> Good luck, Turbo. There you go. <laughs> I got a West Virginia Appalachian buddy. I mean, he's from the heart of Appalachia, a pastor friend named Tim Boyd. And he told me this one time in Appalachian twang. He said, 
God ain't never given me everything I've asked for, but I can't think of one thing that, that he's given me that I ain't asked for. I like that mountain mentality. You're ready to tell him what you want. And then finally this, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. One of my kids one time told me they wanted to play soccer. I said, fantastic. I think it was here, CFA. Great. It's a good idea. I'm all for it. About six weeks later, I, I walk by and, and see the list posted and, and remember that my kid wanted to play soccer. Didn't see the name, but then I didn't remember him ever trying out. Never talked about it. I went and asked the kid. I said, what about the soccer thing? Oh, I didn't want to bother you with that, Dad. It, the registration was $79. You know how that broke my heart? You know how that broke my heart? Well, we'd do it. We'd pick up cans in the ditch if we could to just make our kids' their desires come true that will be beneficial and helpful. How does it break God's heart when we don't tell him what we're asking for in our family and in our spiritual lives? If we be an evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, the Bible says. It doesn't make logical sense to say things like this to God. God, I want to thank you for forgiving me for all my sins. Though my sins were as scarlet, you make me pure as a driven snow. All the anger, malice, wrath, discord, strife, enmity, pride, prejudice, hate, sexual immorality, all the horrible thoughts I've had, the lovelessness, prayerlessness, and all the other junk, you wash that clean. Somebody suggests, ask him to help you pay your rent. Are you out of your mind? If he can do all of that, do you think he can help you pay your rent? Romans says it like this. He that did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? Don't be scared to ask God. These boys, look at all the opposition they had. The crowd, shut your mouth. That's Jesus pressed through, always on the peripheral of the crowd because of their disability. They, they're asking God for something that defies logic. It defies the laws of nature to, to have a blind person see. They, they had it all stacked against them, but they weren't scared to ask God. There's one curious scripture. One more scripture I'd like to give you. And it, it's from John chapter 1. It goes like this. Turning around, Jesus saw them following. And Jesus asked, what do you want? What do you have? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Are you kidding me? Come on, man. God asks you what you want and you can't think of something better than saying, I just want to know if you're staying over at the Best Western or over at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> you didn't think to ask for anointing and prosperity and blessing and provision and resources? The previous play is under further review. Upon further review... That's actually one of the best answers in the New Testament. What do I want? I want to know where you're hanging out. Because if, if I can be where you're hanging out, I'll have everything I'll ever need. So it may not be, Joe, what do you want? And I say to the Lord this, 
the better answer might just be, I just want you. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.